Hello again, everybody, and welcome to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. I am your host here bringing together founders, entrepreneurs, and startups with angels, VCs, investors, and uh, even family offices. It's great to be here. Remember that we make no recommendations to buy or sell. Do your own research. Follow your own advice. Um, but uh, we, what we do do is bring together a lot of the interesting people and personalities in the um, startup space. And to that end, I am very happy today to welcome to the Accelerator, Adam C. Grant. Welcome, Adam. Hey, Mike. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. It's great to have you and you. You are an incredibly interesting story. Um, I said Adam C. Grant because I looked you up on LinkedIn and there are only about 500 Adam Grants. So Adam C. Grant. Listen, there are so many. You know, often <laughs> I, get e I get emails weekly uh, thinking that I'm the, uh, the Adam Grant that teaches at Wharton. Um, <laughs> and so, so when well, they find out it's not me, they're not the happiest, no. but I'm used to it now. You know, now that I think of it, I don't think I've ever, I, I really haven't had a single um, email like that in years <laughs> because of my name. My name is actually more common than you think, but that, that part hasn't happened. Your name is really common. So from now on, you're Adam C. Grant. I just think Thank that you. makes you, you know, you're like Stephen A. Smith. I just think it makes Definitely. you totally unique, right? Now, you, and I are, you and I are basketball fans. You were a pretty serious basketball player. Um, you are at a firm called Republic, and uh, Republic specializes, um, I'm going to let you describe it, but the way I understand it, in kind of diverse um, uh, uh, founders, diverse startups. Why don't you explain what, who Republic is and what, what you do there? Well, so, so I'm actually, so I'm a venture partner with Republic. Um, I'm investing with a venture firm called Overlook Ventures. And so Overlook Ventures, uh, the thesis behind it is investing in Overlook founders. And uh, that community consists of minorities and peoples of color, uh, women founders, as well as members of the LGBTQ community. Mm. And, and how, you know, how many of those types of founders are there out there? You know, so what's, what's amazing is there are so many. And um, when you think of Overlook, one thing I'd like to highlight is like people typically think of this space as, uh, as impact, right? And I'd like to highlight it as this is we're looking for winners. You know, we're looking for individuals who are really trying to disrupt the space, who, who have a vision to change the world. And we believe that they have the skill sets along with whatever skill sets we uh, may happen to be able to interject to help them accelerate that process and get there. Um, but it's, it's a big opportunity. I want to say last year, there was about $4.2 trillion in opportunity that we left on the table. And how, so, yeah. You, so what, what does that mean? How do you get to that number? What Help us understand. That. Oh, that's a very big number. Ultimately, it's when you really look at who, when you look at the numbers as, as who's been funded historically, typically um, it, it's Caucasian males, right? And so when we look at the actual, I think there are two pieces here to really break down. First and foremost, Women investors are 2.5%. Uh, they, they generate 2.5x over their male counterparts, as well as typically women founders do better as well. So it's very hmm. interesting to when you when you dive into the data to see that they actually receive about less than 3% of the actual capital that is deployed. Um, but when you look at that $4.2 trillion, ultimately what, it, what it's getting at is, is the opportune, when you look at the spaces that these founders are in, um, and so the, the combination of these different markets uh, make up that. And it, it's just an opportunity where it's like, hey, 
this is an area that is ripe for disruption. Why not go after it? Why not now? And let's um, let's distinguish. Um, let's break that down a little bit. So you have um, women investors. You've spoken to that. Um, uh, how about the other categories? How about black investors? How about um, Latin, 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 Latinx, I want to say, right? That's the right definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. So what about what about that? So, about so when you're looking at, at those groups as well, and I don't have those numbers on off the top of my head, but both of those groups uh, in the investing world would be considered marginalized, right? When you look at the amount of emerging fund managers, typically who come from those demographics, who have the ability to write a check for a founder, uh, the numbers are very small. Um, and so, you know, often just in life, we're reminded that. If you don't see someone do something, then you don't dream that you have the opportunity to do that. So we talked about us being being basketball fans. I knew that if I really put in the work, basketball was a path for me because I'd seen so many before me do it, right? Um, when you look at investing, if you haven't seen the faces of those who've been given the opportunities to be successful, um, then often you don't even know it's a path, right? I look at when I learned even what venture was, it was so late in life. Uh, mm. And so I, I think... These are marginalized groups, but ultimately, um, there are individuals who are paving the way within this space, and, and they're they're doing the work behind the scenes right now. But it, it's a very small group when you look at the overall venture ecosystem. Uh, and who's behind Overlooked? Uh, who are the principals, and how did they come together with this philosophy? So Overlook is absolutely amazing. Um, so Overlooked, the founders are Janine Sickmeyer and Brandon Brooks, um, and ultimately they came together through social media. And they were each at different points in their careers and their lives. Janine, both of which are founders. Janine um, is an she she founded her company. It did very well. Brandon did the same. And just through just collaboration and just chatting and and having conversations, they were like, "Listen, later on down the road, I'd love to do the same thing." The other was like, "Listen, I, I was thinking the exact same thing." And then it got to the point where, why don't we do this together? Um, and so. That that's how the sparks happen. And typically when you look in the space, how founders find their teams is typically very similar backgrounds where, listen, you're all at the table mm-hmm. and you're having these these candid discussions. And it's like, listen, why not us? Why not now? And that's kind of how Overlook uh, started. And from there, uh, the journey truly began. And Overlook is a, a $50 million pre-seed to seed stage fund that is industry agnostic, um, that is invested. We've made about eight investments so far. Um, and these verticals range from femtech to AI um, to def tech to m- many different verticals. So it's, it's all over the place. And these are all uh, basically with diver- a diverse set of founders, right? Yes, yes. So all of these founders are, are members who come from that core thesis background, um, whether it be women founders, uh, uh, Latinx founders, um, uh, black, black founders, wherever the case may be. Um, they come from one of those demographics from that background of that that uh, investment. And, and I've taken you up on this by referring my ment- mentee, Vince Quarles from uh, Deviance uh, Video Games. Definitely. To you, a diverse founder. And uh, he's run up against this a little bit already where um, I think I told you, um, Adam, that we tried to uh, get a di- list, of, list of diverse investors out of New Chip Accelerator and they didn't have it. They just said, ah, we just, you know, basically send it out to everybody. I said, no, 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 no. This is a specific thing. These are video games. You know, he's got a non-binary character in a video game set in the 1920s. This is very special. And you were kind enough to agree to to talk to Vince. And I think that would, that's really going to help. 
let me ask about the companies you've invested in. I know about Moment.ai. Um, tell me about that company. So Moment AI is, is wow, is, is an absolutely amazing company. Um, the founder, Megan Gray, um, she founded this company, which is an autonomous, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an AI company that will integrate into autonomous vehicles. Ultimately, Megan, uh, through, you know, different experiences through life, saw firsthand how we often overlook a whole demographic of people, those who with disabilities, how they're overlooked in, in just the, the, the fair treatment of just life in general. And when she saw that problem, she immediately, deep down inside of her, she's a builder at heart and saw an opportunity to say, hey, you know what, I can build here. Um, and she set out at that moment. And, and what we loved about Megan, one of, the, one of the best things outside of highlighting just an overlooked area and a whole overlooked demographic is the fact of her hustle um, and, and how her story is. And so she, she's an amazing individual, but ultimately her tech will integrate into autonomous vehicles and then have the ability to scan the human body and, and, and sort of get into that prediction world of uh, many different medical ailments. Um, and, and there's just so much promise in that space. And when we look at where we're going currently, I want to say the current prediction is 2032 to where the average American would be able to purchase an autonomous vehicle, which is 10 years down the road. And so when you really think about 10 years down the road, the average American being able to purchase one of these types of vehicles, we need as many things in place to ensure uh, safety in, in life as, as possible. Yeah, that could be very interesting. I'd love to get her on my podcast and talk about that. Maybe you can help us arrange that. Also Definitely. a company, GWU Lab, um, is in your, is it, do I have that right? No, oh, no, she, she was in, uh, I think that refers to her, but there are deals in place with, um, or at least agreements with Ford and Audi to be working with them, right? Um, so, well, what Megan has done is uh, she has a lab where she's able to to really go in with her team and perfect this. And uh, she's collaborated with George Washington University um, and she has the, the Moment AI lab where they're able to collaborate. And uh, she's been very fortunate. Um, and a lot of the automobile companies have been donating uh, well, I don't want to say donating, but they, they've been extending their vehicles to have this type of AI tested to see how this actually works, right? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, um, when you look at vehicles, we often think of the glitz and the glamour, but behind the scenes, um, their testings and ratings on these vehicles that show each year their ratings, they show like, hey, what is the safest vehicle, right? And when you look at ensuring uh, an individual's life, these type of features are truly highly sought after. And so, of course, it only highlighted what Megan was building and the actual need for it in the actual space itself. This is the Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. We're here with Adam C. Grant of Overlooked uh, Overlooked Ventures. Right? Is that the proper way to say it? Yep. Yep. Um, Overlooked looking Ventures. at diverse investments. So tell us about one other investment you have in your portfolio that you personally are particularly excited about. You know, hmm, that's a very that's a very good one. So we've chatted about Moment Moment AI and. I want to highlight first and foremost that really all of our, you know, our investments, I feel like are, are I, I, amazing. I know you love them all. I know. You I, I would say them. the next <laughs> is, um, I would highlight that the next is what's is um is a company founded by uh, founder by the name of Juan Medina, and Juan is a Latinx immigrant from South America, hmm. um, and he created a company called Lalo, and it was created to honor his late father who passed away in 2013 or 2003 to multiple sclerosis, and um, he currently resides in. Seattle watched it with his family. But what I love the most about Lalo is Lalo is an app for friends and families to celebrate and preserve 
uh, one's life stories and legacies and traditions. And the reason why I think that's important is we've seen through this, you know, the pandemic and all the different things that nothing is promised. Tomorrow is not promised. And we really, and I was very fortunate to be raised, you know, I was raised by my great grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, and my aunts, and everyone isn't afforded that same opportunity. And so what Lalo is doing is bridging that gap, right? It's creating a space to where you can share yourself so that later generations down the road um, can truly, can truly understand where it is they come from and individuals who kind of give them some of these attributes that they have later in life and just preserve those sort of memories. And so that, you know, as you're going through life, loss is tough, um, but remembrance is, and and having strong remembrance uh, practices is just very, very critical. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised this hasn't happened before with any success because you will see people, you know, when, when a friend dies on Facebook, for example, Typically, what they'll do is they'll leave that person's page up, and you might see the widow or the widower, the children get on. They might post pictures for a while, and then it kind of, you know, it always peters out, and and people stop going to it as a matter, you know, in, in the natural order of things. So I've always wondered why there isn't, um, it's almost like an in-memoriam app, isn't it? Very, very much so similar to that. And so the yeah. whole premise is like, hey, let's collect all of these different memories and just share. Maybe you can share through your voice. You know, like when you think about, hey, she just sharing your personality, as silly as that sound, everyone can describe like, hey, this relative was a very funny person. But just being able to just share things about yourself mm-hmm. so that those generations down the road can actually have that connection to it is just so much different when they can actually hear like, oh, wow, you know, this relative was, was so funny and and, and charming and I could hear the charisma in their voice. And I looked at the photos and, and just the different experiences. It goes so much deeper than when you look at like photos. Photos are amazing. They're absolutely amazing. But when you can kind of make a deeper connection, you truly are able to help you, you know future generations understand like where they came from. And so it's often said that if you don't know where you came from, you can't know where you're trying to go, right? And so this kind of connects those dots. And as time goes on, you'll even, you know, I think you'll see more video too. I think it'll be all, all, all the media in one. So best of luck with those. Now I want to talk about your, normally I say, you know, let's talk about your journey, but yours is almost an odyssey. You have really had an interesting life. Um, and it includes um, many years in the air force, right? Before. Yeah. So I don't know how many um, former air force uh, um, soldiers have, uh, have ended up in venture capital and probably more than we think. Right. But, but tell me how you got from enlisting to becoming a venture capitalist. So my journey starts off, you know, just, just a kid from Southeast Georgia. Um, Ultimately I wanted to play basketball and I didn't have the proper guidance in in regards to going through that kind of college, that collegiate uh, path. And so uh, unfortunately for me, that didn't necessarily work out. Um, but what I did, but I've always been a very curious and just adventurous person. So I was very fortunate that my mother pushed very hard for education. So I was awarded many different scholarship, ac- academic scholarship opportunities. And I chose to, to, to not take those opportunities. And I chose to go on an adventure. And that adventure was called the Air Force. And I didn't know anyone in Air Force, didn't have any family in Air Force. But I just thought, hey, you know what? I want to travel the world. Um, and so I did that. And so my mother eventually supported and I went on that journey and that journey started me off as a combat correspondent, as a combat cameraman. Um, it, it took me through, you know, mass communications, marketing, liaising with many different um, uh, 
you know, partner nation embassies and, and I've been all around the world. Um, and then I was very fortunate that what I've learned is through sports is, is teamwork is, is key. And I've been put in positions where I've had great teams and we've been able to excel. And so through that, I was able to be highlighted um, as an emerging leader. And what and, um, and, and I was then chosen to do what's called commissioning. So they sent me to undergraduate school and I went to undergrad at University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to get my bachelor's of science, um, bachelor's of applied science and intelligence studies with a minor in Spanish. And then from there, um, I chose to commission and I was placed in uh, the acquisition community as a contracting officer. And when you when you think of like the military, typically people think of like people jumping out of planes, but they forget. So I was on the business side of, of the military sure. and the, the military literally has everything and it's often overlooked. Um, and, and through that, I was able to develop many different skills and I was able to work in some really, really cool areas and work with startups. And this is where the bug started really itching. Um, and I started to scratch. And, and so I was able to, to, to push them through the, the government acquisition process and, and just help and just see that joy um, when you're able to connect with those founders. Um, and then through grad school, um, I was very fortunate with the grad school at Columbia. Um, and that's when I was truly exposed to venture capital. And once that, once that world is open for you, it's one of those ones of like, you can't not go back, right? Once you see something, you can't unsee it. And it was just everything that, that I personally loved. I love being around really smart people. I'm a very curious mind. Um, and I love just learning about new things every day. And so it really, really connected that along with just learning, loving to just serve. Um, I found myself in a position where I just went through a couple of investor accelerators and, you know, I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of amazing people and support some great founders. And I find myself here you know, in the VC ecosystem. Um, I would like to highlight, I'm a very competitive individual. And so I'm not where I would love to be, but I'm right where I'm at. I'm, I'm at where I need to be right now, which I think is very appropriate. And I think when you're looking at these podcasts and, and, and when we're highlighting this ecosystem, often that's something that needs to be reminded. We aren't necessarily where we want to be immediately, but we're where we need to be right now to get us to that next stage. You know, I actually, I know you're a communications guy and I, I actually talked to a University of Florida journalism class last night. And basically I was, you know, talking about being authentic and, you know, um, figuring out what you want. But, um, you know, I, I really, I really urge them to, um, you know, follow their heart, um, but also to be aspirational, like you're saying, right? So it's like, almost nobody is, is like, exactly where they think they should be not, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, it really, that stuff doesn't matter. You're not quite there, right? So in your LinkedIn profile, in your life, you it, it's, there's nothing wrong with being aspirational and saying, this is, you know, what I hope to be, this is where I'm going. So what, what aspirationally, where do you think you'd like to go? You know, that's a good question. Um, and this is going to sound so cookie cutter and cliche. I would love to change the world through investments and, and through my mind and the way I think I would love to, to change those, uh, th- those founders, you, you know, I would love to connect with them, not only provide them capital, um, but to just be able to just mentor and nurture them and, and put them on that path and watch them as they go forth and change the world. And, and when we look at this, I often think of there are many different verticals and industries that I'm passionate about, but I also have a personal thesis that I call the way of life. And I think, often the average individual is kind of overlooked. And so I think there is a prime opportunity to make investments in these worlds. And so I look at areas when you're looking at like car insurance, I look at childcare, 
um, look really in a lot of food technology and these different spaces. Um, and so ultimately, I think later on down the road, at some point for me, I would love to be a partner at a firm or to either have my own firm. Um, ultimately, one of my biggest things is I want to work with amazing people who challenge me to grow. I don't want to work with people who are exactly like myself. I want to work with people who have a diversity of thought, many different backgrounds. And through that, we all sharpen each other. It doesn't mean we like each other every day. What it means is, is we are what would be a, you know, a hodgepodge family put together. But we know that at the end of the day, we each have each other's best interests. And through that, uh, through the competitiveness, yeah, I, I would love to. I mean, it, that's kind of like one of, one of the bigger bigger goals in this um, VC ecosystem. There are many other little things I would love to, you know, I want if I'm going to be honest, my competitive nature in it, I want to find as many unicorns as possible, right? But I don't want to sacrifice anything in the process yeah. of doing so, right? So I never want to sacrifice my morals, my beliefs, my character, or, or anything along those lines. But I do want to be able to find those, and I want to be able to groom them. And so um, when you look at this space, typically you hear track record. And so I would love to be that guy who has a very different path to VC. But when you look at it at its core, at it doing the work in the investing world, has an impeccable track record that kind of highlights like, wow, okay, you look back at his path, he's been very successful and he continued that on in a completely different world um, and and just just have that ring, right? But then when people talk about him, hey, he's an absolutely amazing person. He just he just works very hard. And what, what when you say um, average people are overlooked people, we've talked about, you know, uh, diverse populations, but but more generally, what 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 kind of entrepreneur do you think gets overlooked by the mainstream of, you know, angels? I just think folks who are, you know, working on things that may not be the most glitzy and glamorous, right? We mm -hmm. know right now, we know NFTs, blockchains and things like that are really buzzing. Yeah. But the individuals who are working on something in the in the insurance technology world, they're overlooked right now, right? We know like that it's it's just not as it's just not as glamorous. But what they're building, that infrastructure, that framework is absolutely amazing and, is, and, and could be pivotal for us in the future. And so those type of things where the work they're doing isn't the prettiest. It's not what people are talking about at the conferences. Um, but one, there's a huge market opportunity there. Uh, but more importantly, um, that w once those investments are made and they're able to achieve those, you know, those outcomes, the impact that can be made really, really progresses. It's just as people in general. Um, and so that's just one to look at. I've all I've been thinking a lot about childcare. I think that's very fascinating that we live in America where a single a, a single parent literally may work to just pay for childcare. And to me, when you see these things, we automatically see a problem. There's a, there's a, there's an issue right there, which means it's ripe for disrupting. And so I'd love to be able to like when I look back at my my career and say, hey, what were my most important investments? I would love to find that sort of category defining childcare. Um, child childcare app. I would love to find that app that defines mental health, that, that truly is able to reach people and connect to people. My background, I come from a background of, you know, a public servant where as a member of the military, the, the different things that we go through are often not highlighted as much. And, and typically we have, um, we have this culture to where we, we kind of keep that inner on our insides. And later in life, it typically comes back and it catches up to you. So I would, I would love to be able to find something along those lines. Um, but then I look at healthcare as well and, and health tech. Would love to be able to to find something that kind of helps people in some of these categories that we know we can find cures or we can find better ways to address diabetes and and many other these other different medical ailments. So it's kind of like what I when I look at myself, what I want to be able to do. Now these are big big goals, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. but I believe first and foremost, your goal should be moonshots. And if you're not dreaming big, then, you know, you're, you need, you should really analyze what it is you want to do. And so I understand that mine are very, very big, but um, they kind of keep me driving. So they're, they're kind of like down the line in the foresight. So what does the world look like when you think about that? What does the world look like down the line um, after you've had a chance to have a career um, creating and helping to create those kinds of companies, nurturing those companies, helping founders, coaching? What kind, what, what, uh, how will the world look different to you at that point? I think to me it'll look different because first and foremost, my biggest thing has always been leave something better than when you got it. And so as long as my contributions have helped push, you know, push the ball down the court in a certain path and, and it's in a positive manner, then I'll definitely feel good. But I think, um, look, I'm a, I'm a kid from Southeast Georgia, inner city. If I can do it, anyone can do it. And I think that when I look back, hopefully I would have inspired others to realize you can do anything. Anything is possible. You just set your mind to it. Um, but I also want to be able to look back, and this comes from my military background, of looking back and see that I've developed leaders. Lead, I've developed people who ultimately have became better than me. And, and that's like one of my bigger things. And that's kind of like a military path of like, we off, we are often taught you need to groom the future. And so one of my bigger things, as I'm successful in doing my job, that's great. But it gets to a point to where once you're successful, your success should then be measured in how many others you can put in positions to be successful. And so hopefully later on down the road, I find myself in a position where I've been able to do what so many others have done to me uh, and pour into them and, and help develop them and put them in positions to where they're able to thrive and win and really far surpass anything that I've done. Um, if I'm able to do that to me, that's a successful legacy in its own. How do you develop leaders? You know, there's a lot of talk about it. Um, are leaders made and not born? So there, there are those who are naturally just have it. Um, but it is something that can be, you know, it, it can be, groomed it can be made right over time it's just it takes a lot longer right there are individuals in sports who naturally just get it right and they don't have to work as hard and there are others who don't naturally get it who don't who haven't been natural and they have to work twice as hard i'd like to think of it the same way for leaders there's some who've been given those attributes um and that, that personality that that perspective and just the way of seeing things and the way to communicate to others those who haven't they just have to work hard and what it really truly comes down to is just being able to analyze yourself and seeing where your weaknesses are and then looking at those areas, not as negatives, but just areas to improve in and then going forth um, and, and bettering yourself in those areas. And so when I think about creating better leaders, I think ultimately we live in a world now where if we're not creating leaders who have emotional IQ, then nothing will succeed later, you know, ultimately in the end. Um, but authentic leaders who are very transparent who um, mm -hmm. who talk the talk and walk the walk, but they're also able to set the tone at the top. You can't yeah. please everyone. That's what it is at the end of the day, right? But as long as you know that the North Star that guides you um, is one that is authentic, one with high integrity, um, and one with the greater good of the whole, you know, uh, guiding you, then I, I've typically found that you do you do fairly well. That's well said. And I, I, I uh, when I, we mentioned uh, Vince Quarles, uh, an entrepreneur before, and um, recently I, I had a session with him in which I said, we were talking about sort of a difficult decision and a difficult meeting he was facing. And I said, you know, Vince, this is your CEO moment. <laughs> you this, know, is this is like where you got to take the reins and you say, here's what we got to do um, in a nice way. 
you know, in a convincing way, but, but, you know, those moments do come and they're difficult and they're, they're tough. Um, What did you learn about that, about leadership in the air force? You must've had great leaders. You must've had terrible leaders. I'm thinking, you know, I've had, I've had a little bit of both and there's actually a quote um, that truly stands out that I'm going to have to think about. But when I think about the leaders, one of the first things that come to my mind is I, I had a, I had a general that I worked for, Lieutenant General uh, Chris Nolan, one of the best leaders I've ever worked for, uh, three-star general. Um, and even at that high of a position, found himself where he put himself in position just as if he was another guy, uh-huh. would be would work out with you in the morning at the gym, could care less about anything else, right? And so when, when we're looking at leadership, making it so that no matter how far you along you progress, you always remember at the end of the day, the king and the pawn both go back into the same chess box. So to, <laughs> to just be transparent enough with people yeah. so that they're able to still connect with you and understand. They understand yeah. your role, right? But people just love to just see that, oh, he's just a normal person like I am. Um, yeah. And so I think there comes a lot of courage in leadership because typically, you know, it, it's often taught as glamorized, but really, if you're leading, it, it's, it really sucks. It's not the best. It's not right. Like Definitely. when you're looking, when you're doing it, when you look back at it, it was amazing. While you're doing it, it's not the best because yeah, it's typically the tough situations that you go through. Yeah. What I've learned is through these uncomfortable situations, that's typically how we are developed. Um, and, and so it's just like iron being forged, right? It doesn't happen just overnight. It takes that friction and it takes the, those those bumps and those dents. And as that character builds, you, you tend to develop yourself and, and find your leadership kind of toolkit and where you're good at. And then hopefully you're more importantly, you're able to find where you're bad at um, or maybe not necessarily bad, but where you can improve that. Sure. And then from there, highlight areas to, to go into better those areas. Well, well, uh, Adam, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We've been talking to Adam C. Grant of both Overlooked Ventures and uh, Republic. And um, he has an incredible story and is obviously full of leadership qualities himself, I would say. Um, and uh, I, it, would be, it would be very interesting to watch your progression. And I hope you'll come back again and keep us posted as, as time goes on and get us uh, Moment AI. Moment AI is uh, the company we want to know more about. It sounds definitely, interesting. Definitely. And, and we, love your, um, we love your mission uh, at Overlook to help uh, diverse founders. Um, they really need help. You would think by now women wouldn't be fighting an uphill battle, but I see it every single day. Um, great companies, uh, great pitches, and just sort of, it's just harder. It's like a degree of difficulty, right? It's like a, a, the treadmill is like pointing up and you got to go up it. But uh, thanks again, Adam. It's great to, great to have you on the accelerator. And um, I hope you come back very, very soon. Mike, thank you for having me. This has been, a, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I look forward to connecting with the Moment AI and, and coming back you know, as I progress along uh, during my journey. I have a final question for you. Who's going to win the NBA playoffs this year? It's a very interesting – that's that's a good question. Um, what do you got? From the, from the east, I have uh, Milwaukee coming out of the east. Um, their bench is just so, so deep. Uh-huh. Uh, I see them coming out of the east for sure. Um, when you look at the west, the west is a, the west is a topsy-turvy right now. Um, there will be some really good games. Yeah. I, a part of me wants to say Phoenix. I also am biased. I lived in Arizona for six years. Yeah. But a part, part of me also wants to see Jokic get, to, get a ring, and I love his style of play. So I, I want to say right now 
Phoenix or Denver out of the West, along with Milwaukee. And depending on who they play, I just think it'll be a great series. Talk about an everyman. Uh, Jokic uh, with the Nuggets. I don't think this is his year, but he may well win MVP. So uh, that would be two yep. MVPs for him. So so good for him. So uh, this has been The Accelerator. I'm Michael Conniff. We're here every week at least with tales of uh, entrepreneurship, founders, venture capital, angels. Uh, we hope you'll come back soon. And uh, until then, you know, keep an open mind and uh, look for those diverse investments. So thanks again. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.